I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me as always is my Senior Editor and Writer, Jude Seymour, and uh, Chief Inspector, Brenda McElinden. Fellas, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I, I got nothing. Do people say that or not? I mean, do people I say happy MLK Day? Uh, Maybe they should. Maybe they should. Okay. It's a federal holiday. It is a federal yeah. holiday. Do you say happy President's Day? Uh, I do. Oh. Okay. I don't. I don't say my daughter, my, my firstborn child was born on President's Day. So, I say happy Labor Day. Happy Memorial Day. Happy Veterans Day. Happy first Saturday of college football day. Well, that's an actual... Uh, that's That should be a federal holiday. It really should be. I mean, people do nothing during March Madness. That's, they should probably just do like a week-long shut, shutdown. In fact, isn't the... Uh, is it right around March where there's normally like a... A fiscal meltdown or two and shutdowns looming? Like, isn't it December and March? You're talking about the federal government? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know what? Fuck it. Just shut it down then. March Madness is here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got... And that coincides most of the time with, with St. Patrick's Day. So, I mean... Yeah. It's getting up. They shut... The governor of Georgia shut down uh, Georgia for a day, right? I, I do not know. I haven't, I haven't uh, paid attention to all the comings and goings of the Peach State. We got our own problems here in Ohio. We are off like a bang here. Uh, that, I mean, it is a bang. 
You know what else is a bang? Just think back. Think back to the moment when we all kind of, we all found out. Well, let's go. Let's put a bookmark in that and come and circle back to it. (laughs) (laughs) How about the moment in which I thought Jay Bramlett was just going to go to Alabama or or Alabama A&M and not fucking LSU. you You put that tweet in there today with kind of like a what the fuck oh I, you didn't say that but kind of it was implied i believe yeah i did an oh, I okay crazy. shrug yeah and i was unsure about why you were you're so what the fuck i thought that was kind of like common knowledge that he was going to lsu yeah no i heard that he wanted to be closer to his family that it was hard on his dad to take early morning flights out of alabama to get to, is, to get to games in south is Bend. baton rouge closer to tuscaloosa than South Bend. Yeah. Can you just drive there? Is Tuscaloosa closer to Tuscaloosa than, than Baton Rouge? Yeah. Does Nick, does Nick Saban have a no, spot? No, no, you, you know? can't drive there. It's a five and a, it's a five hour drive. <laughs> you can't drive. Uh, I, that, that's, is, that's just, is, me, that's me driving to Traverse city. Is Auburn closer to Tuscaloosa than, uh, Baton Rouge? Okay, yes. I thought about that. I thought I knew that was going to be what you were going to say next because I knew that the Tuscaloosa thing was bothering you. But if you're if you're Tuscaloosa and you're like you're you got Bama in your blood, could you ever? Would you ever? And I I I see no problem with this. It is closer. It's not it's not South Bend. I mean, a five hour drive. That's that's like a coach a, who graduated from Michigan coming to work at Notre Dame. I mean, what the hell, man? Why would you do uh, that? Huh. Oh, that? Well, well that, see the it, fruits of that now. <laughs> I just, I, all I'm saying is, it wasn't that so big a fuck to, like, what the fuck to me? Head coach and your position coach go to a school that's within that geographic region that you'd like to stick around in. Uh, I see no issue with that. And, like, like does Saban, did Saban have room for punter? I don't know. Did Vandy have a room for a punter? I mean, like, just can we talk about like plenty of schools that he could have picked? Would you? Wouldn't you rather go somewhere to win? Like, maybe he thinks that they're going to win football games at LSU. I mean, as shitty as LSU was last year, they still won more games than Vanderbilt. Okay, but I was told that we weren't going to have people defect to LSU, and now people are defecting to LSU, and I'd rather that stop. That's just. I mean, I don't care if our punter goes to LSU or Brian Pullian. That, that's fine. Like those defections are fine, absolutely fine. I, I guess I'd like to see Bryce McPherson punt it once in a real game before I before I wonder out loud. If well, it, none of that would really make a difference. Bramble was going to take off anyways. Yeah, right. So, but he didn't have to so go none to of that was a difference. I don't care where he goes. He could he could have gone to St. Francis and Fort Wayne, played some NIA ball. I don't care. <laughs> He's got his I mean, degree. He's gone. And he's a I, punter. It's not like it's going to hurt you because he's a punter. Right? It's not, I, mean, it's, I mean, maybe he knows that a Brian Kelly led team will punt the ball. <laughs> they're going to be punting next year in Baton Rouge. So they are fun. going to be punting. It's just like, yeah, it, like, like, I'm more concerned about why Caleb Offord chose Buffalo. Oh, because um, about, what's his face? Ashton White chose Buffalo. That was, a, that was his route, too. Right. So it was like, is Ashton White like his his cousin from 
across the country? No, but I'm just saying, like, it's not unprecedented, right? No, it's not unprecedented. I mean, it's just for a Mississippi and, native, for a Mississippi oh, native. I see what you're saying. You come up to South Bend, you've been up here, what, a year and a half, two years, and now you're going to transfer out. Buffalo just seems like, for Ashton White, who is from Maryland, I believe, for him going to Buffalo, that's just a halfway home. Yeah. From South Bend. But for Caleb Offord, like Buffalo, that's just a strange, like, how did that, that happen? I mean, I don't care. I'm just saying, it's just like, it was odd. Is all I'd say. I would expect more of a, with a lot of these transfers, I think you expect more of like a homecoming, like, like going back down, you know, like Kari G, right? Yep. He's he's going to Georgia Tech. That makes perfect sense. He's from Atlanta. Makes perfect sense. So, I don't know. It's the Derek Buffalo. Buffalo struck me as more what the hell and more of just a head scratcher is what all I'm saying. Well, I Um, think. I, was Eastern I, Michigan not good enough for you, buddy? I mean, what about like, don't you just think, I, I don't, I feel like it's the Montgomery Van Quarter route, which is like, I just want to play. Right. I just want to play and I'll, you know, or I guess, uh, I'm Andrew, Andrew Hendricks, like let sign me up with the Mac school. I don't care. But I mean, right. But and like Hendricks is Ohio. I guess level, that's a terrible example. So, but I mean, there is levels to the max. I mean, Buffalo has been a, a better ball playing max school for sure. But I mean, he could have gone to, to OU or, or to Miami and at least had like a better place to be at than Buffalo. No disrespect to Buffalo, which I love. I'm just saying. I don't know. Maybe Jeff Quinn's going back there and he's like, he's, you know, team Jeff Quinn or something. That thought did cross my mind. Cause he <laughs> really? has nowhere to go. Well, cause he has nowhere to, where else is he going to go? He's going to be an analyst for Nick Saban. He's going to be an analyst for, for Brian Kelly. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's Does the, Brian I, have analysts? Does Brian Kelly have analysts? Yeah, he has an analyst. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got all sorts of them. He'll have as many as he wants at LCU. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, the I, unspoken advantage of being an SEC school is you get analysts. I saw, well, I saw a conversation online the other day about uh, about support staff and for football programs, this and that. Someone was talking shit about Alabama. Apparently Notre Dame's support staff, when you add it all together as like they're showing with all these other ones, they're right up there, like in the top five, top 10 or whatever with, with or, you know, across the country. When you start adding all that's the pieces. Those, that's one of those lazy narratives, like Notre Dame not having the facilities. And then they ask recruits to rank uh, facilities in college football. Right. And Notre Dame comes in at number three. I mean, it's right. that, that just like, Right, but they also had ten of their own commitments down there. That's true. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they they asked the the players from their all star te- teams about the facilities, and Notre Dame's got like ten guys down there. So th- I, I can't remember the exact numbers of the voting, but it like matches up to the guys that are down there. It's like, well, duh. So there's, I mean, I'm not calling them wrong. I'm just saying I don't think you could pull a lot from it, uh, you know, because now you're, you know. Yeah, because LSU team, was but... down at like I don't know they were in the the tied for fifth or something or sixth or they were they were down there, um, and like LSU's facilities are pretty top tier. I mean they have those oh, yeah, they're pods good. And, yeah 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 that locker room's pretty. I it's like the uh, the same locker room refresher guy went across the country. 
Cause they all like feel like feel the exact same. Clemson with their stupid slide, right? And uh, LSU, don't they have? There's a school. Is it LSU? Which is the school that has like the water that you can take like an inner tube and like there's a water river. I think it's LSU. It. It's the lazy river. Jeez. Like the the state can't pay for textbooks across the state for high school and elementary kids, but they got a lazy river on their state campus. Right. Necessary. Necessary. Hashtag priorities. There, and there definitely are some. I mean, if that's the kind, of, well, that's probably for a different podcast. I think for <laughs> ours. Uh, speaking of uh, our podcast, no reviews tonight, so that is sad. But that's okay. You can change that. Uh, get on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Brendan, we have an expectation. What What are we looking for? We're looking for those uh, Jeremiah Obusu Koromona earned five stars. Um, who's at the uh, ND basketball game with Marcus Freeman? And, Saw that. Uh, <laughs> Look at, looking like he's older than Marcus Freeman. <laughs> looking like he was older than. <laughs> was it Frank from US ND who made that comment? Somebody on Twitter made that comment. It was like, which one of these dudes is older? <laughs> uh, uh, I. Yeah, JOK probably. I mean, JOK looks like he's got a good, a solid ten on Freeman, a solid ten. I mean, he just he's got he's got that homeless sheep thing going down very hard, and then um, you know Freeman's all baby face, right? So right, right. Homeless sheep, yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, so yeah, so do us a do us a favor, what, get over there and do that. What, I mean, what do you call that? That that uh, beanie beard combination that Tommy Reese likes to know, likes to do too. Uh, it's Daryl Sailor, Daryl Daryl Leak, Daryl Leak. Oh, yeah. It's my, it's my Sailor look. I apologize. <laughs> apologize. Have either of you guys seen the movie uh, The Lighthouse with William Defoe? Yes. I I have uh, not. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> I just said like. Just from the the movie poster, basically aesthetic. Uh, that's where I have Tommy Reason at with his uh, sailor hat and beard. Is that a comedy? No, no, it's absolutely not a comedy, man. It is, it is not a comedy. Um, I mean, it's a Robert Eggers movie. Uh, so uh, no, no, don't go into that one thinking it's a comedy. <laughs> I think that's why I haven't watched it yet because I've, I, okay, yeah, definitely not. Insanity, huh? Yeah, he's uh, he's also doing that. Uh, th- that's the director who's doing this new. Uh, uh, I don't know. Norsemen are very hot right now. They're so hot right now. And he's doing. <laughs> it sent the, the the clip of it. It basically looks like Last Kingdom, the movie. Uh, ah. So he did The Witch, ah. which was uh, very much not a comedy. <laughs> right. Norsemen. The series, The Norseman, is pretty good. Have you seen any of that? Now, that's a comedy. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing like uh, laughing to some to a bowl of blood, you know? Uh, speaking of blood and Vikings <laughs> and traitors and, and a whole lot of them, I mean, it just this has been a weird offseason because – Obviously, it's been over a decade 
since we had a coaching change. And even then, even then, when the change was happening, nobody was leaving. And that gives you a sense of comfort, even if it's, even if maybe things need to fucking change to get better. Just the the things you know give you comfort. Um, But anyways, things are changing again. (laughs) So, uh, which is a little bit of a surprise, uh, I suppose. Uh, But one of the big changes is Mike Elston, who was probably had about as emphatic as of a, of a, I'm a, I'm a stay at Notre Dame statement as anyone. And then, um, yeah, he, he's back. He's in Ann Arbor now. Yeah. And I tweeted out today. They, they tweeted out uh, his new profile pick. And I tweeted out that, uh, this is Michigan's new freshman basketball coach. Cause I see, see uh, I see nothing about football in that picture. Nope. <laughs> I see a jump man in the background. I see a jump man on his, uh, his little polo fit or his little, uh, they are ready to thing. go hit the hardwood. Yep. Cagers. And that is something else. Um, yeah, the, the Mike Elson, that was a shock, uh, to say the least, because all of the, all of the rumors are that Harbaugh is going to jump to the NFL. I mean, there's nothing hotter still, right now. Still rumors right now to this moment. Yeah. I mean, there's still rumors. He took a job with Michigan and we don't know if, you know, in, in a week, I mean, this time next week when we're podcasting, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh might very well be the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders or the New York Giants or whoever. And then where's Austin? So head, this head coach of Michigan. I'm calling it now. All right. So I've got a theory about 40 chess. And this is absolutely supported by zero data. But here goes. Al Washington reaches out to Marcus Freeman, says, yo. I'm going to lose my job here at Ohio State, but I'm definitely interested in joining your staff. Yep. And Marcus is like, yeah. And Elston's not his guy. And so he went to Elston and said, look, we don't have a job for you here. We, we just, you know, we're going to, we're going to replace you. I, my initial thought was that he had a DC in mind and his DC was going to bring his defensive line coach. But that's clearly not true because they hired Al Washington 72 yes. hours after Al Washington was announced to be fired, which, of course, like you probably know the writings on the wall before you actually get the official announcement or at least the media. Right. And so why did Elston have something lined up so quickly, too? Like, I'm feeling like this is something that was, you know, became common knowledge um, earlier in the week. And Elston started working his connections and got the and had Michigan. And Washington, because he because he literally was hired without an interview, as far as we know. I mean, he got he got fired on a Friday and hired on a Saturday or Sunday. I mean, what day was it? It was Saturday, Sunday. It's been recently. I just yeah. look. This was clearly Marcus Washington, Marcus Washington, Marcus Freeman's number one choice. And so he was not he was willing to edge out Elston for it. It was musical chairs. Elston got his chair pulled and he found another chair in Michigan. I I feel like that's a theory that makes sense to me. I maybe it's maybe it's wrong and and inappropriate. And if so, I'm sorry, but well, I mean I think it makes like sense. I think it makes sense. I just don't think I agree with it. Okay. And I, I but I mean but I'm open to the possibility of it being Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't think that happened, but I think it makes sense. I mean, I don't think it's crazy. Well, and I, think I don't it think also, 
I think it also lines think up with the, to think that Ellison could find that job that quick either. Like, I, I think it's, I think it's safe to assume that because of his longstanding time with Notre Dame, his obvious connections back to, to Michigan, like once Harbaugh needed a D line coach, I think that that was a pretty easy role, you know, easy holla. I, I, I don't, I, I think that could go pretty quickly. I don't think anything had to be in the, in the hopper all that long. Michigan doesn't operate like Notre Dame in that, in that sense. Well, I guess it also makes sense for the theory that he really didn't want to leave Notre Dame, right? That everything he said on December 15th was, was, was true and was still right. true until the point that he, he got elbowed out. Until it wasn't. Right. I love the, I love still true until it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's uh that's something try try using that on your wife sometime in an argument you said this and it was true up until yesterday that's not gonna work i like my bed <laughs> um it, but pertaining to the elson thing like as time has passed and, and i don't know if it's a coping mechanism i don't know if it's because i'm smoking copium or whatever with it but like the more I think about it, it's like, do you have a favorite top 100 defensive line recruit that Mike Elston signed in the last seven years? I believe what this was is a trick question. Ranked? What? I, I realize this is a trick question, but I'm trying to think. Where was Foskey ranked? Um... Isaiah Foskey was like low. I, I um, before I make a fool of myself. Um, <laughs> Why don't we do the five seconds of research? He's he's not a top one hundred guy. I know that for a fact. I know. I know he's not a top one hundred, but I two eleven. Two eleven. Two. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would bet money like a, a. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Brendan, and, this is gag. Does this gag work if you expand ex, expand it to two hundred or one fifty? Like, who's the who is the top person? The, the top 100, I think, was uh, it was 2020. It was the first time they signed because we were talking about um, it was the 2021 class was the first time that they had a um, top 100 uh, top 100 defensive lineman, right? Was it well, last I mean, what year? about the what about the early classes? Nope, nope, it was not last year. It was this year. It was the 2022 class was the first time. Um, it was, uh, Tyson Ford. Tyson Ford is sort of the bell and he was 140. So Tyson Ford was the highest since I believe the 20, uh, what the 2012 class. As far as, um, no, no. Sheldon day was 115. Um, I mean, it was, the, maybe it was the highest since, since, uh, since Sheldon day. Because if you go on down the line, I mean, uh, Andrew Trumbetti, strong side defensive end, 147, the highest of 14. Well, I mean, like 2011, you had Lynch, well, 11, 11, Jack I mean, and two of them like top 30, top 30 guys. Right. And um, I mean, that's that's a decade. Um, yeah, no, 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 no. You're not going to get me to argue for that point. I'm just it has been a bit like I guess I'm just uh, highlighting that's. It's been a while since that kind of talent showed up. Now, I he developed it, right? Is that he yeah, developed it? But I will not allow. I don't think I should. I'm going to allow any kind of like Mike Elson slander because of I'm not 
but uh, but the slander isn't Mike Elson as a developmental coach. The the for slander sure. is the the focus for Freeman is really like, do you want to coach up, you know, low end four star three star guys. And or do you want to coach up in, four or five star guys? Right, because because they're the difference between Notre Dame. Really, if if you look at the difference between Notre Dame and like Clemson, because Clemson's sort of the model, because you're never going to be able to get the volume that a Georgia and Alabama does. So you're going to have to go the Clemson route, which is you sign a couple of like really good guys to accent the the stuff that you have. And Notre right. Dame has never been able to have that sort of Clemson 2018 defensive line. I, at least consistency, consistently. Well, and, and it's not even consistency. It's ever. I mean, you can go to 2011 and look at the guys that they brought in in 11, Aaron Lynch, Ishak, and Tuit, and just, you know, one of them hit, one of them transferred, and then one of them was a bust. And Ishak was right. a, is, is outside linebacker, but, you know, that, that's what that's what his position was, according to the, the – well, according to the rankings, yeah, but he yeah. had his hand on the ground. But I guess yeah, Troy Nicholas uh, was one seventy nine, which I think would have put him top five of all time defensive linemen recruits at Notre Dame and, under the L. And he was playing outside linebacker at ND when he was on defense. Yeah, so it's. I mean, the the, the beginnings of the of the Brian Kelly era, like the first three four years of Brian Kelly era, there was all sorts of oddness going on. Like, remember, like big skill. Power, like just basically, Kelly is so used to just going and grabbing guys. I made this point, I think, on I don't know, in the comment section of one of our stories or on Twitter, or maybe just in our DMs. But it's like Kelly went from Grand Valley to Central to Cincinnati, and even at Cincinnati, it's the same kind of, very much the same kind of recruiting philosophy as at Central. Like you're waiting and seeing At, at that level. A lot of the time, a lot of your recruits is a wait and see if these bigger schools, what they're getting and what they're not getting right. that you can go after scraps. You're getting a lot of scraps. Like, he, like that's the style of recruiting that Kelly was used to. So like when he got to Notre Dame, like especially those first few years, what is like, so, and this would have to tie in with like Kelly as a recruiter. Like, yeah. He's not, he never, he never did the urban Meyer, Marcus Freeman uh, Nick Saban kind of thing because he's never done it before. Maybe he doesn't even know how. Maybe he just, you know what I mean? Like, this is what he's used to. That's what he's doing. And we used to just, I mean, we were just getting guys and then they figure it out in spring ball. But I mean, sooner or later, you figure out at this level, you can't do that. Guys bolt. There's, I mean, it's just, it's, it doesn't work in the same. No one's grateful to be there to get moved around like they would be like at a Mac school. Anyways, Mike Elston. Fantastic, fantastic defensive line coach. Yep. Took Notre Dame's weak defensive line was a weakness for Notre Dame for a very long time. You'd have one, you know, you'd have a guy here and there that would that would play really well and, and make a splash, but Elston turned that into consistently one of the better units on the team oh. year in and year out. And his system. His system of of how they're doing it, and it was Rotation it's a lot of what you have to do at a school, and yeah, yeah, everything everything about get, the you game get old and stay old, you get old, stay old, you know, you know, a lot of the guys that become like like Ade, right? Ade didn't really play a whole lot till his what middle of his junior year, correct? Right, and 
so if he was a if he was a four or five star kid coming in, like a high four, low five star, if he wasn't doing that production until his junior year, people would call him a bust. Instead, we were excited about what he, we were getting. It's it's a weird mind fuck that fans do based on expectations from a fucking recruiting service. Right. You know what I mean? It's like it's the, re- the results could be the exact same, but depending upon what their star ranking was coming out of high school determines their value in your eyes. It's the, the, which is a lot of why the times, you know, Brendan and I especially like to press the, the whole earned thing. Cause we just think you made more, way more of yourself than what it was. Anyway, we're not going to have that discussion again. <laughs> Mike Elston was, was one of the Kings of doing that was just, he went after certain guys, developed them the way, that, the way that he wanted to do it. And we were getting great production for many years. Uh, but you're right, Brendan, like the top, the teams that are winning like Georgia, Bama, Clemson yep. are the guys that are recruiting better than that and still developing in the same manner. And defensive line is one of those positions where I think star rankings matter. Maybe. I mean, obviously there's the Watt pros who, you know, <laughs> TJ's the best defensive lineman in the NFL and unquestionable. Um, but I think in the college game, like having it, it's one of those things where talent, like it, there's freakish talent and freakish athletes at that position and getting those freakish athletes at the, that position is so huge um, for you to be because because you can just blow up games like it doesn't matter that right. Notre Dame is, you know, in 2017 when they play Georgia, it doesn't matter that Notre Dame is. Um, you know, the eventual best offensive line in college football, or even when we play Georgia again in 19, or when I mean, we it's played why, Clemson in 18, why, or you, you just see their defensive lines take over the football game just with raw talent and freakish athletes. And it's it's something Notre Dame's never really been able to do to other teams. You don't see that's why that so many play. of us can say that if Justin Tuck came back in 05. Notre Dame was playing for the national championship. And even it, I've always, I have always stated that Texas still beats Notre Dame in that championship game because of Vince Young. But you're maybe I'm not giving a uh, future hall of famer, Justin Tuck enough credit because he's shutting that whole fucking side down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that changes the, the USC didn't have that on, on the field against Texas, you know, shutting down an entire side, how does that change the game plan? Dude, if Justin, if Justin Tuck comes back to Notre Dame in, in 2005, holy shit. Uh, that, that's definitely one of the great, would be one of the greatest Notre Dame teams in the last uh, 30, 40 years, hands down. Yeah. And, and when, just, well, just the way, just the, what they were doing. And when you talk about like, who are the upper echelon um, teams in college football, and all of them recruit the defensive line position at a crazy high level because Ohio State's one of them too. And Ohio State's always pulling in like Zach Harrison's and the Bosa's and they are Would always you put Texas A&M in. in that category? <laughs> well, we'll you see, see what they the thing. You see what they bought this cycle. We that's going to that's going to be a bellwether for it because we we will see what uh what they look even like. Done. They're not even when, done. They can, no, they, they're still going to add to that. I think, uh, but Shamar Stewart. Yeah. They're still, they're still going to add uh, to that defensive line hall. It's stupid. Anthony Lucas. I don't know what, what he was doing, but I mean, he was collecting a sack, but it's just, 
Yeah, it's sick. There's a lot of defensive line talent out there, I guess, too, as well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like as much as as much as they say, though, the rankings are the rankings. There still comes a point where you have to stop ranking like all these defensive. Like, there's a lot of good edge rushing talent out there, and we see that just every year in college football. Like, you see guys that you know, you see this happen. Like, hey, that guy was a three star. You know, some of it has to do with competition. They're going in on day, you know, day in and day out or week in, week out basis. But you're right. Your original premise is absolutely right. It need, if it if it's increased just a little bit, you're getting that much more out of it as you develop it. So and Elson didn't do enough of that. And Al Washington <laughs> seems like a guy who can he comes from a program that, you know, he, he comes from a program where recruiting has been the lifeblood of their program. So this is this has been part of his job. And, and you mentioned it when you talked about Brian Kelly, and it just wasn't part of what Brian Kelly did when he was at Grand Valley and when he was at Central and when he was at Cincinnati. At Washington, that was his job. I mean, he was he was a recruiter. Um, so let me ask you this, though. I mean, like. I guess you're looking we're looking at this in the scope of if Elston got better talent, it develops and develops at the same. It's that much better. So like Al Washington, we're going to assume, I think, in this podcast that he's going to recruit better than Elston. But is he going to coach them up as well as him? Don't know. And where and so where where in lies the difference, though? Because, I mean, like, who, you know what I mean? Like if you're getting these this top talent, but you're not coaching them up well enough, how much more production are you getting out of them than the underrated guys coming in and getting coached up? Who are the teams that recruit defensive linemen at high levels that don't find success on the defensive line? I mean, that's a solid point. Because it's typically a one-to-one because, you know, if you're recruiting the good ones and you have good defensive lines, typically. And then, you know, there's Notre Dame's who, you know, the Notre Dame's of the world out there that were able to coach them up and to be able to, you know, hit you with waves of well-coached perfectly schemed fantastic, you know, uh, creams and, um, the Aquaras and just, you know, right on down the line, Jerry Tillery. And, but they were very good, but it was never like game breaking good. It was never like this team can't do anything because Notre Dame's defensive line simply just took over football games. I never, there weren't really moments other than like, I don't Virginia. know, Virginia it comes to <laughs> yeah. mind, but I would like more games like Virginia where right. it, it's, it's just like they can't do anything because Notre Dame's defensive line isn't allowing Georgia Tech to run for, <laughs> which is, well, a, are just terrible examples. Cause obviously Virginia didn't have Armstrong, so they were fucked and Georgia Tech was not a good football team, but I guess that, that's the point, right? You need to see more domination up front. Right. You want to see what Georgia did to us. Right. Front. I want to see I want to see that happen to USC. I want to see USC right. and Notre Dame play football. And I want to see Caleb Williams uh, unable to find time to, you know, do anything and their run game be utterly ineffective and shut these teams down. And I, I don't know. I. Jude's point kind of, as he said it, it's it's kind of won me over where it's been one of those things where Marcus Freeman's um, 
you know, credo when he came in is he said, hey, we're going to recruit at this high level and you better be ready to recruit at this high level. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there was a, a disconnect there and maybe it was a mutual pass, uh, parting of ways, but that might check out. Huh? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, I. I loved Mike Elston, and I loved. Oh I mean, God, yeah. As far as personality goes, uh, top tier. Loved Beth. <laughs> loved the cookies. Loved the output of the the line. Um, loved the four one nine right lineman. down the road. Loved the defensive lineman taking his daughters out to dances. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Yeah, Hyde Hyde Hyde's probably felt more betrayed than anybody else. <laughs> I could see Hyde's taking that personally, actually. But his brother, I mean, well, uh, Jaden Mickey. I also I also wrote up, like, right? look, what's that? His dad did. Jaden Mickey's dad is pretty fired up about Lance Taylor leaving. Yeah, no, he's, he was he's uh, not happy. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. Happy. He's fired up about it. He's not. He's not. Uh, he's not excited about that. Right. No, he is not. Um, I, I, you know, I wrote it somewhere as well, but I mean, it's like, I, you know, you kind of want to be pissed at Elston. Like, and it's easy to, it's easy to make that argument for, but it's just like, like, look, your, your alma mater isn't some also ran. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a name brand program. It's just, just like a playoff. Yep. There was just an hour and a half away. I, I just wasn't going to say that part. You guys don't fucking do that. You know, it's, it's, it's not very far away from where you're at now. Familiarity. And again, it's your alma mater where you were a fucking three time letter winner. It's not, there's, this is not out of the realm of the things that are, are just going to happen at some point. It makes sense. And I mean, I, I was more shocked that he didn't go with Kelly than I am with him doing this. Yeah. So, so it's fine. I mean, good good luck to him. And I, you know, I thought about this too. I mean, so we were all pretty pumped about everybody staying because it's kind of a big fuck you to Kelly, which everyone, even if you didn't, even if he didn't talk shit about Kelly during his time there, which you'd find very few people who didn't talk a little bit shit about Kelly, even that it's just, it's just the, the, the chance where everybody gets to get together and say, fuck you to BK. Uh, you know, because you fucking left us. You know, no one wants to be left. But it, so you're all pumped. We're all pumped up about everybody staying. Everyone said, fuck you to Kelly. And I guess we didn't really look at it from a different lens. It's like. If you're going to say that it's great, that it's a good thing that Kelly leaves because maybe things are getting stale. And yet most of the staff is staying. Does that make sense? Like, I don't think so. Like, I, I think that the staff needed the turnover that is going on f- to, to make the shakeups like worth, worth it. Like I, and I don't know if I'm just using like confirmation bias for myself, you know, like, like just looking at it in a rosier way after these losses and we brought up Lance Taylor, like, yeah, Lance Taylor's, but Lance Taylor's taking a job. I mean, can't be mad at Lance Taylor. No, that's that's he got that's, offered a fucking yeah. He's got like four titles. Offensive coordinator job. Yeah. Yeah, passing coordinator, offensive coordinator. I mean, you can't be 
can't be mad about that. Like that, that go get your do, it, do it, is, you it, it is. I just think that we're gonna get a refresh now. Like this is things are changing. I want to say one. I want to want to say one thing about Lance Taylor. It's a sad day for the One Foot Down podcast because Lance Taylor was a supporter of One Foot Down. Had our back, and especially the uh, the the push to use the T formation. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lance, he understood us. I'll pour one. I'll pour one bam out for uh, for Lance. What are the odds yeah, that Satterfield's got his boys rolling out in the T formation? Uh, I'll be so mm-hmm. mad. I'll be so salty. <laughs> You know what? I'll, I am going to pay Louisville radio. I am going to pay like so much attention to Louisville next year to see if that happens. Because if it does, I'm I'm calling Lance out. Then I know it's Tommy that stopped that put a stop to it. I mean, we got it. We we got it, but it just saw it for a second. They shifted. It shifted. Yeah. So (laughs) could have been the greatest thing ever. It's as good as the Avery Davis pass. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's in the line. Like you, run, you, run a scissor, you run a scissor lead out of the T formation. That's just as good as an Avery Davis uh, pass. Those, those are the holy grails. Uh, so I guess let's talk a little bit more, though, about, about Taylor bouncing. I don't – I have not seen any names – Specific names other than Tony Alford, who I'm just going to say it is not coming back to Notre Dame. It's not happening. So stop mentioning it out to people out there. It's just, it's not, it's fa- it's fantasy. It's, it's like saying that Brian Hartline was actually going to consider leaving Ohio state for Notre Dame. No, all that does is it muddies the water for the guy who yes. takes the job. Well, and it, it, yeah, it gives you unreal expectations and it makes it makes a good hire look not so great because you got your eyes on something else. It's it's terrible. It, Jude would like to say it's like thinking that you're marrying Heidi Klum, but you're not marrying Heidi Klum. You're marrying your actual wife, and you love your wife and think your wife's beautiful, but she's not Heidi Klum. Jude loves sixty year old women. He loves them. First of all, Heidi Klum is not sixty years old. Second of all, have you, if, how old if, is she? If you follow Heidi, if you follow Heidi Klum, forty eight. If you follow Heidi Klum on um, Instagram, you know she's got it going on. That woman looks awesome. Yeah, but that's Instagram filtered to the moon and back. I'm just saying, I'm not going to kick her out of bed for eating crackers. If Heidi Klum wants to uh, break up with her <laughs> boyfriend slash husband, so, I'm, I'm here. So in this, ana- in this analogy, Tony Alford is the one coming down the runway with, with angel wings on. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then- Oh, that's a sight. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, is Notre Dame seal? Are we all burnt up? Anyways, uh, it just says it's not going to happen. So get that out of your mind. But there are not, there aren't any names, real names that I've really seen out there as of right now. Uh, it's my understanding that Notre Dame shouldn't have a problem hiring a running backs coach. Just don't know who that is. Lance Taylor did exactly what he was supposed to do at Notre Dame. He wasn't going to be as good of a running back coach right. as the man that left in Autry Denson. Autry Denson was amazing as a yes. coach. Terrible recruiter. We needed to change that dynamic. And Lance Taylor did it. We're recruiting better at running back now. We're winning some battles. Hell, we're even we're even losing some big battles and still coming out smelling pretty good because of 
the the plan behind it. I mean, the the Will Shipley incident, everyone was fucking freaking out about, and we still end up with Logan Diggs and Andre Sma, who we're all still pretty stoked about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kyron so, did all right for himself. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it could be a situation very much like I, Mike Elston. You know what? It, it right because because whoever they bring in is probably I mean not whoever, but they're going to bring in now Washington, and odds are he's not going to be as good a coach. And, Ky- and Kyron is the inverse but. of. Kyron is the inverse of the argument that I just made because Audrey Denson recruited him and Lance Taylor coached him up. He's one of the greatest running backs Notre Dame's ever had period. Yeah. Like find a better like one, last, find a better one in the last 20 years. Like production, the whole night. I mean, it's just, it's sick. So I don't know. It's it, lose, losing Taylor is, is a, is a big one, but can't be mad at him. He's going. He's he's doing he what he's supposed to do. Can't be an OC. Yeah. Yeah. He, which was not going to happen at Notre Dame. Like no, it's not. That 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 door has been blocked by Tommy Reese. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 at least got a three year shelf life, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And if it succeeds, it's maybe then it goes longer. And if it doesn't succeed, they all might be out looking for a job. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah. They, you're doing you're, you're a step up, which is fine. So Notre Dame's going to go find themselves a running backs coach. And like I said, we've heard that there's quite a few out there that they could, they could be more than happy to come to South Bend. We'll see about that. Uh, but it's it's something that Notre Dame has worked towards becoming a better and better running back uh, destination as a re, you know for recruits. I'd like to see that continue. Maybe with Harry Heastan taking over the offensive line now, or, or Chris Watt, whatever conspiracy theory you want to spin together. Uh, it's like weekend at Bernie's we weekend at Harry's. You know what I mean? <laughs> that seems yeah. like a right. That seems like, seems like a scenario, right? No one's, no one's affirming me. I got my own thing going on. So, I mean, we're looking to increase our, our running game production. So we'll see what happens. I just, this was not what I thought was going to be happening December 12th. Oh God. And and think about, this is not what, um, uh, Tyler James and Eric Hansen thought was going to be happening December 12th. Uh, you know, Mike Singer and Tyler and all the guys moved over on three. Like they no, probably, probably, no way they knew they, before they, they knew that Brian Kelly was going to leave. Oh, I thought you were talking about them them swapping homes. Like they all knew. Oh no, no, they knew that. They thought they were just gonna have a nice, easy transition into all of that. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like because no. January, January, to be honest with you, January in, in Notre Dame is basketball, um, the occasional football transfer, hockey. Um, yeah, hockey, exactly. Women's basketball, like that stuff's manageable. It all comes at a, a specific time. You know what's not manageable? Al Washington getting hired on a Saturday or Sunday, Lance Taylor leaving on a Sunday. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it sucks. It's been pretty nuts. And yeah. if you guys haven't noticed, I haven't even wasted my time. I'm just throwing up a fan shot on the site with, with the tweet on so much of this stuff. It's just, it's too much. Uh, like, so, but I mean, but it needs to be, some of the shit needs to be said, but it's just a lot going on and I'm not digging around, you know, looking for all these fucking names either. 
Uh, it's more of a wait and see approach on my end. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, but yeah, it's nuts, man. It's absolutely fucking nuts. I mean, Welcome I, I would have bet money that they would have put DC before DL and then DL gets hired. Right. And so now it seems like our, the running backs are back burner while they work on DC, but it seems like they can walk and chew gum at the same time. So I, I put nothing past them now, literally nothing. Yeah. I don't know. Like if you were like, who's the next person to get signed? I'd be like, probably a guy's name hasn't been announced yet. Tony Alford. <laughs> how long, how long conceivably can they go without naming a DC without hiring somebody? Like I mean, two it's more gotta weeks, right? the end, yeah, it's gotta be the end of the month. Like, you I, think I think because of the, the signing day. Well, not just signing day, no, but also but, you I mean, start getting ball? things prepped for spring ball. Yeah. Right. Okay. But sure. it, it has some, I mean, it has something to do with signing day. Cause you're still trying to get, you're, you're still trying to finish up your class, which they could still have a few more additions. I don't know if DC has much to do with what they're looking at, but well, I you still got to get that back done. and wide receiver kind of where they're well running back too, right? Aren't they? In you, really, on, uh, you really can't be going into February. Still looking around, especially since it's been no, I mean, depending upon what you're, I don't know. There's no linebackers coach. You know what I mean? Marcus is the linebackers coach, right? Well, maybe Marcus is the DC. Oh, yeah. Gosh, don't don't put that don't evil do that. out there. Don't, don't, don't do, do that. that. Just saying. So there's a, I mean, there's just there's a lot, and there's a, just so much that we don't know. So I don't I mean, know. Where are they going to stand with like Andrew Paul, who's the guy that they were trying to get hot and heavy with? New name, right? yeah, new name. Um, uh, I don't know. Running back, uh, running back out of Dallas, Texas. That uh, feels like that feels like a, a a nothing burger in my in my opinion. Yeah, I I would say that it is now exponentially. That's more. not that that's not that has nothing to do with how I think of him as a recruit. I just think of it, that feels like a nothing burger recruitment. Like that's just not going to pan out. Right. Guys coming out of the woodworks, like he he's a pretty he's a pretty good back. And there's a lot of there's a lot of schools on him, probably been on him a little longer than Notre Dame, and that's just I don't know that's just not the thing. Like that's just uh, not a name. That is just not a, that is not any name that has that has popped anywhere. I don't know. We just need Justice Low. We need a wide receiver. Look, there is all sorts of. Home improvement memes we could use with him. There's all <laughs> sorts of uh, Roman history. I mean, just like the amount of shit that we could come up with. Yeah. If, uh, from, if uh, Brennan can't put a crown of olives on that guy's head, what are we even doing here? I don't know. I mean, with just as low, I mean, with lows, you know, doers get things done. So that's at the Home Depot. Oh, what's the, what's I thought that was Lowe's. I thought Lowe's was doers, Nurse, Home Depot. Uh, Lowe's like I don't know, build it, it together or something. That that's Drew Brees, which there'd be some nice synergy with Drew Brees and uh, Justice Lowe with uh, Drew do Brees. It, do it right for less. We're the blue Home Depot. We're Home Depot with blue. <laughs> oh, they're way better than Home Depot. Do it right for less. Do it right for less. I, it's almost like I'm talking to myself. Yeah. 
Well, I know you said you said it. I was just I was just affirming it. Which makes sense, right? Because we haven't been really recruited all that much. So, but it's the right move, and we did it for less. I mean, I mean, can we talk about? We really could have used a a Caesar Menards six four wide receiver. Can we talk about R.J. Sneed back from coming from Baylor to go to Colorado? That's sad. Can we talk about Mario Williams uh, committing to USC? That's first sucks. of the two Williams. That, I mean, but but we knew that the Williams were going to go to USC. It's Here's just, my thing, and Brennan and Brennan's going to back me up on this one. I know it. Here's my thing about SC. It's going to look flashy and special and spectacular because of their skill guys that all of a sudden. But they're still fucked on both lines. Well, both lines both are just absolute hot trash. Like so, we were talking about, yeah, we were talking about defensive line recruiting and getting. They weren't getting the kids, and they weren't coaching them up. I mean, they they did get a kid, uh, but they definitely weren't the number them the up. number one recruit overall. Yeah, they definitely got a kid, but but even just, then, Foreman's more of a he's a strong side D end. He's not a he's not an elite pass rusher. Yeah, he's a solid defensive end, but he is not an elite pass rusher. Is not expected to become one either. So I mean, yeah, their offensive line going to be their safeties and their corners are still going to be trash. Um, I'm not overly. I mean, USC has always been like that. Was always the thing about when they made the hire for Lincoln Riley is you're not changing the math on what USC has been since Pete Carroll left. Right. You're not changing anything about what USC has been. USC has you know, been a quarterback with wide receivers and they're going to get their quarterback and they got their wide receiver. <laughs> but that's not what's held USC back for the last decade. Now their it's defense been, has been absolutely trash. I mean, I just I didn't have to worry about these dudes when they're playing in Oklahoma. And now I have to worry about them. And that is annoying. But well, and it's funny. Well, we were worried about other guys. We were worried about Amon Ross St. Brown. We were worried about Drake London. We were worried about pick a quarterback, Keaton Slovis, or fucking JT Daniels is like a 15 year old freshman. I mean, <laughs> there, there, there was always worry about their skill position guys on offense. I mean, they had a lottery quarterback no fewer than what four years ago, and he's on a second NFL team already, and Sam Darnold, who got just throttled. In South Bend Stadium or Notre Dame Stadium, but yeah, so I don't, I don't really, I don't really care. Like, I think it'd be fun. Like, I love that Caleb Williams with the UCLA, and I had some fun with that, thinking how great that would be if he just went to UCLA. Uh, but that you know, he's going to USC. Everybody knew it when fucking Riley left yeah. that was coming. So that's fine. Let it fucking happen. Let the hype start. Christ Almighty, I could, we could use a better SC on Notre Dame's schedule. At least a better SC going into October. I was okay for the record. I was okay with a better SC. I didn't want the best SC. Well, we're <laughs> this ain't the, the best point. SC. Is, it, I mean, they say the say in nineteen they had Pittman, Amon Ron, St. Brown, Tyler Vaughns, and they had Drake London. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not. This ain't the best SC. The best SC hasn't been there since fucking uh, old Fluffy left. Yeah, I mean it's just not th- since where they had. Where they had killers on offensive line and defensive line. I mean, they just they were stacked. Their roster was stacked, and it was stacked the right way. SC is just a 
a fucking facade, like a flash that is just like, you wish you had some of those parts for sure, but it's because you have all the other good parts that they don't have. Well, I wrote the, I wrote the article, I think two years ago about SC. SC basically is just operated perpetually under the Charlie Weiss model of college football. I mean, SC is basically Charlie Weiss football, right? They, they think they can get by by getting the quarterback, getting some flashy receivers. And then like your offensive lines, trash, your running backs are trash. Your the, the back end of your defense is trash, but you think, you know, you got five-star wide receivers, five-star quarterback, and that'll, that'll mask the other deficiencies. And really it's the Georgia, if Georgia proved anything, um, you know, as long as Alabama, you do not need a lead quarterback. Injured, you don't need the, or I mean, elite wide receivers. Um, you know, Pickett's pretty good, but I mean, the guy has played. You know, he's he's basically played like fifty snaps in his career. So I don't think we talked about that enough. We basically just congratulated Georgia and moved on. But let's take it back a few weeks to the national championship game, Jude. Georgia fucking smashed every conceived Notre Dame notion of how we get quote unquote back. And with five star skill players and quarterbacks. Sure. Like they smashed it. Like, is it, it feels like the Georgia model, like the Clemson model is the one that Notre Dame can go, can go do because that's a doable model. But it also seems like the Georgia model of, of how, not necessarily the recruiting, but how Notre Dame could do that as well. Like that's a feasible route. You you just got to recruit defensive linemen and linebackers that are all five stars. Yeah, I was gonna say the the defense is. I mean, Isaiah Foskey aside, I don't, I don't, I don't know. You know, do we have players on the the edge? No, no. But in twenty two, to start off with twenty three, Notre Dame's edging that way. You know what I'm saying? Like defensively, like the like the defensive side of the football since Freeman's got here, recruiting wise, has been. Pretty fucking phenomenal. The 23 class is a Georgia class, right? Where it's just like they're rolling right. three, four deep uh, with defenders um, who are rated for whatever that's worth. Um, but I mean, the the lowest ranked player on on the on the defense is the is Adam Schuler, who's 149th. And we're not it's talking crazy. about like two, three kids. We're talking about eight. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's absurd. Just how Notre Dame is recruiting at the, they're recruiting at a Georgia level. And that's not hyperbole. I mean, cause you look at it and they already have two top 50 kids and Peyton Bowen is 58th and Brennan Vernon is 62. I mean, this is, this is the Georgia, the model, the Georgia model of just, you know, maybe don't go with the the true freshman uh, walk on, or not true freshman, but the the junior uh, walk, former walk on quarterback who you know looks like me when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> and as sober as you would have been the uh, night after a night of partying. Uh, yeah, he was about as sober as I would have been if uh, you know on a random uh, Friday after Thirsty Thursday. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, so I Georgia does not or excuse me, SC is not uh, a big scare for me. I'm I think they will be much improved. Uh because I think Riley's probably a better coach than Helton. <laughs> but I don't know, man. It's it's funny. Talk about butthurt Notre Dame fans, how butthurt Oklahoma fans are, the way they're talking about Riley right now. Like they're super excited he's gone. So happy. Well, yeah, uh, maybe that's because they they're so happy that 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 Riley's there. He's just he's trash. He could not win a big game. Um, the list goes on for them but for reasons. And I found that interesting. If you uh, if you <laughs> critically look at it and you're not sour grapes and you do critically look at it, spot the lie. What Oklahoma did this From, year in college football in the 2021 season was among one of the worst coaching jobs of any um, big name power five school. That's their Oklahoma. main beef. They say you get this, you get all this talent and you do shit with them and, and they're not wrong. I mean, enjoy Mark Helfrich 2.0. Uh, <laughs> Southern cow. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, so you're, you're the opinion of Lincoln's overrated, huh? Um, no, I don't. I think he's. I think he's a very good coach. I think he's got two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, which I don't think. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that you're playing in the Big Twelve. Um, you're not really testing yourself or flexing yourself out of conference, and you're playing three out of conference games, nine of which you know nine of your schedules in conference, and you're playing against a lot of bad football teams, and your quarterbacks are putting up dumb stats. Um, against them and as soon as you get to college football playoff you uh you're down 28 to nothing to alabama in a game that you make yeah and it's it's mostly exposed defensively more than offensively like one of those george or oklahoma was able to score some points in the third but just like quarter when alabama um right they just they can't stop a fucking soul like it and what's funny about oklahoma is they remind me a lot of like, I don't know, like, like a Michigan or, or you know, like a Clemson now. Like, like a lot of these names you see on the Oklahoma D roster are names Notre Dame all recruited. Yeah, like, there's a lot of names there. Not, I'd, I'd say probably 25 to 30 percent at least held committable offers in Notre Dame, which is a lot. So you're you're watching these guys. So like, is this guy really that bad? Did we really like, were we really that upset about losing this guy <laughs> recruiting or is the coaching just so fucking bad? They're ruining this kid. So take a pick. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think Colin Lincoln Riley overrated is that's a, it's a little bit over bounds, but I it, don't think that he's as good. I, no, well, I think you can I mean, say that he's, he's overrated, right? Because I mean, I think, yeah. Riley gets put on this pedestal of like how Brian Kelly and, and Lincoln Riley were in the same neighborhood and coaching just did not ever sit well with me. And even Ryan Day, who Ryan Jim Hart of all fucking pe- of all people had the best the all time right. best line about Ryan Day without saying his name is some people are born on third and think they hit a triple. He couldn't be more fucking accurate than and that's the same with Ryan, Ryan Day. Day. Yeah. Well, and it, go, and it goes back to Helfrich, too, because he was, I mean, he inherited, you know, a machine from Oregon and even took him to the playoff. Um, and then everything just. I mean, Dave Larry Coker longer than Coker. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, well, hey, and you know what though? Day and Riley don't have a fucking national championship, and Larry Coker does. Yes. <laughs> All hell, Larry. I mean, I will never stop admiring Larry Coker and his contribution to college football. <laughs> he didn't crash the car that year. He just got drunk after. <laughs> he just got drunk after one good year, and then fucking put it in a ditch for the next twenty. Years. <laughs> oh shit <laughs> um, I don't know so Jude I think you were going to be able to answer my question okay I can't someone I don't know if it was you messaged me that someone messaged you or someone me- messaged me talking about you or so <laughs> okay. That's a set. That's a set. Milk. Yeah. So Milk and Salerno. Uh, yeah. They are being praised that they are put down as scholarship players right now. I had a note from somebody somewhere, I guess something, that it is just for the spring semester, but I've never known Notre Dame to operate in that way. So I think it, I think that's fair. So my my understanding is that that Michael Vincent Milk and Matt Salerno are scholarship through the spring. So they're getting their spring semester paid for. So I think that I would like to hear Matt Salerno say he's coming back and that there's a scholarship available for him. I don't think it's enough for one of the other former, you know, for the, one of the other walk-ons to say, just so you know, Matt Salerno's on scholarship. That's not wrong. He is on scholarship, but I don't know that that means it's guaranteed for for the fall. Now, your point is well made, which is Notre Dame is typically when they put you on scholarship, they honor it for the duration of your of your education, time right? There. Yes, right, your time there. But as we've seen with Marcus Freeman, it's a whole new world, right? And well, so, like with Vincent, Vincent's coming back. He's going to be the the starter fifth year, sure, starter at Lawn Snapper. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe it's safer to assume that his scholarship is. Because it's a fifth-year guy too, right? Well, and, let, and let, let me put it this to you this way: Would you put Matt Salerno on a scholarship chart? I have not yet. Okay. Have you seen anybody else put Matt Salerno on a scholarship chart? I haven't looked at anybody else's. Yeah, I don't believe I don't believe he is. Which is, I think, is my point. Which is, I think, I, I think people are waiting to hear something definitive from Matt Salerno. Okay. Yeah, I only pay attention to my chart, Jude. I don't let anybody Sorry. else's charts. I only pay attention to my chart, Jude. Which is probably the reason why I make like three or four mistakes uh, after big <laughs> changes, but it's all cleaned up now. It's all good. Uh, it's all good. Uh, yeah, I think Vincent. I think the only. I think to get a guy to come back for a fifth year who has to take grad classes or or whatnot, I think he you had to tell him like, yeah, your scholarship is good for the fall. Too. You know what I mean? Like with Salerno, I don't know. You're right. He hasn't said that he's coming back for next year. And I look, I want to be very clear, but I don't see how I, they I think can't. it's I think it's very I think cool they have that he got to. put on scholarship. I think that Matt Salerno has done so much for this team that he deserves at least one semester of, of aid. So if it's if it means more than then by all means, it's it's more. Look, and we, that's great. But we aren't even we aren't even into February yet. There's going to be more transfers out. Notre Dame is not going to have 85. Yeah. And there's also going to be transfers first. in. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Which, 
which which you know backs up my point of you know there's Look, people they, going out if they sign two kids that are pre that are two that are com- not committed right now and that that next signing day a wide receiver we're over. right we're over. all of a sudden mass giving Massalino a, a scholarship may not may not make as much sense right and so i Look, I, I'm not I'm not the coach. Well, I don't make the decisions, and and so if they honor it, that's great. And I and I hope that he has something that he wants to do. But if they, I'll don't, make this case then, for Salerno. I'll make I'll make a case for Salerno. Okay. Notre Dame is rolling into spring practice with four, maybe five, if Wilkins is healthy enough, healthy scholarship players. Now. It's semantics with Salerno, right? If you add him to it, it's five, maybe six then with Salerno, right? Because you made a walk on a, a scholarship player. Mm-hmm. But if he's not if he's not coming back, I mean, I guess that's the whole point. Like, he, if he's not coming back, I think they should. Maybe Salerno's got like kind of got that look. If we have room, we want to want you to come back for a fifth year. Because look, the guy was the guy ended up being he was on the two deep punt returner and became the punt returner when Kyron Williams wasn't out there. He was on the two deep in the slot come the bowl game, and he could say, well, they didn't use well they didn't use anybody. Like for some fucking ridiculous reason, Notre Dame decided, hey, you know what? We uh, we talked about it, it felt like spring ball. Uh, talking about uh, oh the freshman kid uh, Jaden Thomas, he looked as good as anybody out there uh, for bowl prep, and he doesn't get a down. In the Fiesta Bowl, oh, you got guys out there who are fucking dying from running routes. So I'm not sure what they're doing there. I'll just say, like, if there's, I think there'll be room for Salerno in the end, and so, and that's, I think that's a good thing. Let's it's do a good it. thing for Notre Dame to have that. Yeah, I yeah. just think that decision is going to be made pretty late. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I... I guess if you're Salerno, I guess going through a, a spring practice without exactly knowing, because they they need bodies regardless. Right. Yeah. So I I think going through a spring practice doesn't hurt him. No, it, finishing up a degree. I, I don't know where he is in his degree seeking, but you know. Right. And like that's just like that's one more chance. For, that's as a walk on too. Like you're in the even if you're not coming back in the fall, you're still in that front spot. Doing all the doing, getting a lot of reps and having some fun. And who else could we conceivably see that could return punts, right? <laughs> Obviously, nobody. I, no one. You're seriously. I mean, that's why you guys start getting Brandon Joseph back there. Have we even talked about Notre Dame's new special teams coach, Derek Mason? No. It's a Mason. <laughs> Brian, yeah, Brian. Brian Mason. Hey, I didn't even think about that. Two possible Masons on the staff. Boy, those guys would be laying a very solid foundation, almost like Illuminati confirmed. Almost like bricklayers, right? (laughs) Illuminati confirmed. 
The yeah, Vatican stepped a, in. I'm trying to make a ma- Mason joke here. I am too. I'm trying to make a Freemason yeah, joke. Yeah, we're stepping on my Mason joke with your Mason joke. <sighs> I mean, do I need to break out Alex Jones? <laughs> I think I think what it boils down to is Marcus. Actually, is are you meaning to tell me that this Notre Dame team is going to have two Masons running the show? Can have I you people even realize the dangers for which they're going? Can I hear Alex Jones talk to Jack Ballard, recruiting expert? Mm. Uh, Jack Ballard is. Uh, there's still some contract negotiations. Going oh, jeez. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought Jack Valor was uh, going to sign up to be recruiting for. Uh, oh, for Inside Indy Sports. Yeah, in, Inside Indy Sports. Uh, yeah, awesome. I, uh, right, right now he's uh, he's got some uh, some legal issues with the University of Brazzers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I haven't got a return phone call in, uh, in well over a week from old Jack. Um, <laughs> well, get, we got well signing day. Maybe there'll be a Jack Valor signing. <laughs> God, I sure hope so. Oh uh, shit! I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, so I don't know who the fuck. I mean, I would like, I would like to see something. I am a. It it did get a little stale, not just a little. It got a lot stale with Notre Dame's. Uh, special teams. It's just, even if it wasn't Brian Pullian's fault, he's gone. So now let's, let's, let's see. Like, just, I don't care. Listen, this is, this is the same lines. So first of all, I was going to start a TikTok series. Oh, yeah. Uh, addressing some, uh, some opinions that'll piss you off. It's a, it's a meme on TikTok. Uh, I'm not, I don't think I have only 60 seconds, uh, in me on topics. So as much as I wanted to just do it, cause that's a nice quick way to, to make content. Uh, I might end up just having to do like some 15 minute podcast. Cause I got some, I got some shit to spin, but I will say that I would do want to say this. How, how cheated do we feel about Kyle Hamilton? I know oh. Greg. Like, Offense. how fucking cheated do you Kick feel? Like, what? What was Kyle Hamilton's mark on the program? We got, we saw him a year and a half as a starter. Yeah. And one year as a, as a kind of a wonder kid coming in here and there. Like that doesn't that that is not a that is not a legacy made. It, this it's, is and this is not a shot. It's not a shot at Kyle. It's a shot. At the coach, at the coaching staff, and this year where we're hurting for wide receivers and all this other shit, like you're telling me, we couldn't have put Kyle out there for five, six plays. He would have got. Oh, by the way, 100% chance he would have got that out on the field at wide receiver in the Fiesta Bowl. Looking at the the rotation they had of wide receivers, he would have got mm. out there for sure. Oh, it just feels like. Wasted. Like we're gonna we're gonna go watch, we're gonna watch Kyle get picked in the top five uh, of the NFL draft, and we're gonna watch him go to the NFL and become an All Pro. And we're just and it's there's gonna be no connection there, except for Greg screaming about it every day. But I mean, you're gonna it, 
relate that to to the Notre Dame experience, and there just there isn't much to go off of. There isn't a whole lot a whole lot of work there. And that's, I mean, I understand I understand your points, but I I disagree in that I will be very proud of Kyle Hamilton, whatever he does. I I'll didn't be, say I wouldn't be proud. I said no, we felt I'll, cheated. I'll feel like I'll feel like there is a connection. I'll but feel no, like but Jude, I guess I guess here's because it's kind of the same problem I had with um, Jalen Smith and like my connection to Jalen Smith. Like, I, you know, when I when I think about his time at Notre Dame, m- m- you know, it was with Brian Van Gorder. So like, I don't think that he was put in the best position to make any. But like, what's your favorite moment? Like, what was his signature moment? Um. And like with Kyle, it's it's sort of the same thing where it's like Kyle's signature moment, I guess, would be the Florida State game, the two picks, right? But that was that was against Florida State, right? I mean, I I yeah, thought the, State. I thought the introduction of him getting the pick six against New Mexico was kind of his signature moment. But, but that's that's New Mexico, I, and the pick six was glorious. And he probably should have been on punt returns, um, like a lot of safeties in college football actually are. Um, but I, I don't know. That's his second game ever, right? So, yeah, it's just gonna, it's going to be. I, look, absolutely. The um, the pick against Florida State is going to be one of the memories. But I think the New Mexico thing is going to, for for some reason, be stronger in my mind. It just it was a. It was like I just remember freaking out. I remember Greg being in a, a soccer game and everyone tweeting at him, and he wasn't even there to respond. Right, but I re- the sky right, cam but- also robbed us of that as well because we all yeah. got like motion sickness from the sky cam on that one. Luck- luckily, I was in the I was there, so I didn't have to. Uh, oh boy, with the sky sad. cam. But I guess my point is though is like, okay, that's still somewhat fresh because Kyle just finished up at Notre Dame, but like five years from now. Even as cool as that is, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. All right. So New Mexico. I'm, I'm going to totally, I'm going to sidetrack this whole fucking podcast and I'm going to ruin the thing I had planned by saying this. The best safety Notre Dame has had in 25 years is was fucking Tom Zivikowski. And if anyone wants to fucking fight me on it, I'll fucking fight you on it. The production that we got out of Zivikowski is what is why. 30 years from now, Zibby will show up and be fucking treated like a god on campus. It's true. And no, and Harrison Smith, one of the best safeties in the NFL, will not, does not have that legacy at Notre Dame. Mm. Kyle Hamilton, who is going to be je- a great NFL safety, will not have that legacy at Notre Dame. This is not a shot at Kyle. It's no. just a, it's a tragic, it's a tragic statement. Like Zibikowski, think of his time at Notre Dame playing safety, punt returning, making taking fumble returns for touchdown, interception returns for touchdown, just being an overall badass and playing on one of the shittiest teams, if not the shittiest team of all time in his fifth year. And yet his legacy is forever yeah. 20 notches higher than either Harrison Smith's or Kyle Hamilton's. And Harrison- those are the most talented. Harrison Smith didn't even have a pick his senior year, right? He had he had uh, he picked off uh, what was the kid's name? Uh, Jacory Harris, the quarterback for Miami in the Sun Bowl, picked him off like a half, uh, you know, like like two or three times, wasn't it? Yeah, like three times, I think. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think in order to have that sort of legacy, you need to have those big splash plays in the moment. Um, you know, like the punt returns for Zibby and the the big hits and stuff, and like I, I think we. But it, 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 it's, it's just it's more that. than that. It's the, it's the special teams. It's the fact that you know that they you the he was a talent that they put out there and used. Fuck, we even almost got blessed. I mean, he did come play quarterback. And it was just, it was crappy play calling. They could have used a little, but all I'm doing is highlighting the fact is I feel cheated of Kyle Hamilton's time at Notre Dame. Like we got the production that Notre Dame got from Kyle Hamilton. Wasn't near enough of what it could have been should or should have been for a player of that caliber. Just the same as with, with Harrison Smith, who got dicked around and got used as an outside linebacker and fucking John Tenuta system where he just kept trying to jump over the head of the, of the tackle and get his nuts crushed every other play. It's all I'm saying is it's a fucking shame because of how good he is. Yeah. And so when you look, when you sit down and you look at it, best safety play in 25 fucking years at Notre Dame. So this is all post uh, my boy, Jeff Burris, by the way, who also was used on offense. It was it, fucking Zibikowski. It's like when, you know, I saw I, I saw Lotus on the road um, and the person who was driving it was like it was this geriatric old man. He was like he had to have been like 80 years old. He looked like Lopan in Big Trouble in Little China when he was like in his old man face like the see-through skin and he was driving this thing like 10 below the speed limit, this Lotus. And it's like, why are you wasting this beautiful car? Why is this car being like, I felt bad for the car because it was being wasted on this like old man in Michigan who was driving like 10 under following all the rules. It should be driven like it was meant to be driven. Like an an asshole, like a a junior, like a junior in high school whose parents are always vacationing in Europe and he has to stay home. That's how that car should be driven. Like Ferris Bueller like, getting like, uh, <laughs> like Ferris, like the parking lot attendants at Ferris. Yeah, Bueller. like the par- exactly like the parking lot attendants at Ferris Bueller. That car deserved to be flexed, and it didn't get the opportunity <clears throat> to be flexed, and it was basically just like put in a glass case, you know, and you looked at it and you didn't touch it. It was like an action figure that was left in its box. Kyle so, Hamilton was so an Kyle, so Kyle Hamilton left in the box. I'm going to say Kyle Hamilton is the Ferrari we kept in the glass garage. Yeah. And he's got, you know, 87 miles, right? And, and you know, you know what was, uh, hey, you know what Zivikowski was? A Camaro. He was a Camaro. A fucking Z28. <laughs> yeah. He was a Camaro. Yeah. I'm, that's exactly what he is. He's out. He's out there winning street race after street race. <laughs> I'm sorry guys I, I stepped away for a minute because I was logging out of my computer to check to see if my fire insurance was paid up to date and it turns out that it is so I'm good I don't know here's how you guys thing. are here's the thing if Greg is upset about this it is you can't be anger. It's misplaced it anger is. because we're not upset it's at Kyle. Not, we're not disparaging Kyle. We're saying exactly what, what Greg. What Greg's saying. Yeah. Underused. Do, do, Under you think, do you think Greg would say that the best safety in the last 25 years of Notre Dame was, was, uh, according to best Josh's safety, best yeah, safety according, production. Okay. 
That's numbers. That's numbers. That's fact. Both as a safety and as, so a, clear, as an overall team member. To be clear, you'll use production when it suits your argument, but you are against production when it's against your it's, argument, right? I'm not. It's 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 a it's a very narrow argument, Jude. I'm not. This isn't like who is who is the best of all time, kind of like a thing. It's no, like this is the best safety production. When we're drafting the uh, the all Brian <laughs> Kelly team, you're Mister. Right. It doesn't matter that Kyle Hamilton or Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Rudolph only played. Uh, Right. I get the best version of it. So I would draft I would draft Kyle Hamilton ahead of Tom Zipikowski. I'm getting the best version of a fucking great player. I mean, you gotta be able to be like, be able to think about these things in separate like, categorically. Like I'm pissed off that Kyle Hamilton was not used the way he should have been. The best safety play Notre Dame has gotten in 25 years has been from was from Tom Zivikowski for four years kicking ass back there as a safety and on special teams. Yeah. And Without- we can like I'll shit on Michigan all up and down every avenue. But at least this, they use the their guys. But like the way they used Jabril Peppers his yes. his last season is absolutely how Notre Dame should have been using Kyle Hamilton and the fact that they didn't use Kyle Hamilton in the same manner that Michigan was using Jabril Peppers is an absolute travesty yeah. and the most egregious thing in the entire Kelly era. Yeah. That's the broader point. That's, that's all. That's the biggest thing we're saying there. It was a, it, it feels like a waste of time that we are a waste, a waste of waste of something. It's a waste of a Kyle. You had a Kyle and you wasted him. I, I think that it's a waste of time to be angry about this. I think you should be nah. happy for. I, I think got, you should be happy for. What I got you eight. Had. Mu- I got eight months of off season. Yeah, this is the time to be angry about. I got all sorts of things to be mad about. I mean, it's the it's the wrong perspective, though. I mean, I was I was thankful for the time that we did have with them, and and I can't. No, I can't. I, I think that's the wrong perspective. Okay. Because I'm not thank I'm not thankful for the time we have with them. Okay. Could use them more. Okay. I'm angry for Kyle. Throw him a goddamn fade. Jesus. I don't believe Kyle's angry about this. That's much my guess. Well, Kyle's about to become a very rich man, so he's not angry about anything. <laughs> wait till you're wait till you're fucking 43 years old living in Knicksville, Ohio. I could use them millions. But no, seriously. No, Kyle doesn't give a shit. He's happy as pie, and he should be. Except for the I mean, it depends on who drafts him. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Depends on who drafts him. That's a big depends. <laughs> yeah. There could, there could, there could be some future issues there. Oh shit. Well, now that I got my anger out, we talked about some coaching changes, a little bit of roster stuff. I think we're pretty well covered. And I think, I mean, I just think that over, this is a fascinating time. At Notre Dame, honestly, like just watching. We haven't been involved in these big coaching changes in over, well over a decade. So, I mean, we have no the room. I think the bigger power. part is is rumors. Notre Dame hasn't been involved, and this was, I think, something we talked about in the DMs. Where like every other college program over the last decade has to to deal with clout chasers and rumors and all of that kind of stuff oh. is running rampant. <laughs> And we haven't had to experience that. And this is hitting a lot of people hot. Like the beat's getting hit by it because, you know, their leads are turning up empty and um, just 
people aren't used to to living what the rest of college football lives and that's like <laughs> message board rumors circulating around until they become like you know half truths that people are running with right i agree to that it's a fuck it's a crazy time uh, all right so keeping with our tradition of rank everything you got, I hope you guys got the note we're going to finish this off tonight with, with uh, man, there must be just a lot of anger going on in this in this office. Top five, top five TV shows that make you irrationally angry. And the reason why I said this topic was because, of course, I was watching a show right before I said that. And it just made me mad. And I thought how silly that was that it made me mad. But every time I watch that show, I'm mad about something when I see that show. And it's not even something that I watch very often. So. It doesn't have to be five. If you got just three or four, it's five. But Jude, what are some shows that make you irrationally angry when you watch? Okay. So I, I was just talking about this today. So your timing on this is perfect. My wife, said oh, good. To me this, my wife said to me this morning, hey, are you excited about How I Met Your Father? And I was like, I can't believe we've been, we've been together for 17 years. And you don't know me better than that. Like we hate watched the last season of How I Met Your Mother. Literally sat there and went said, I can't believe I gave eight years to the show and I'm going to give one more to this. And it was absolute train wreck that last season. And then they screwed up the finale and it was just made me so angry. I like wrote I read every, you know, review, blog post, conspiracy theory about it for days afterwards. I'm just seething. In fact, you'll probably still still see me make jokes about it on Twitter because I'm still not over the pain, still not over the pain of how I met your mother. It sucks so bad at the end. And, you know, to be honest with you, like, I don't, it's not one of those shows that I would ever go back and rewatch, even if I had really liked it. I think it's probably not aged very well. Um, but, you know, that, that one is when I, when you, when I saw that topic pop up, that was immediately the show that, that, that came to mind. Um, other shows I gave up on Dexter. Uh, I think in the, the John Lithgow year, because I was just like, what the hell happened to this show? Like the first season, it was just so much fun and I couldn't get enough of it. And then just eventually I just hated Dexter and I hated Deb and I hated them. basically hated everybody in the show. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. And then I hear that they're bringing Dexter back and I'm like, all right, well, somebody's going to watch that, but uh, it's sure not going to be me. Um, I think Game of Thrones would probably be on a lot of people's list, but I never watched that show. So um, my third one is going to be Scrubs because it was just like, it, it was, it's, it was funny. And then it was, and then every episode was basically the same. And by time they finally tried to reboot it on, what was it on ABC? It was just like, who's watching the show still? Like who still thinks this like arrested development of, uh, JD and Turk is, is actually fun to watch. Like it's just super annoying. So those are the three that immediately came to mind. Um, in terms of TV shows that I like sort of ended up hate watching by the end. All right. Yeah. Let's keep it at three. Let's keep it at three. That's a good, that's a good list. Brendan, what do you got? Oh man. Um, so the first two are um, specific for how they changed everything about the networks that they were on. And the first one is ancient aliens. It ruined the history channel. <laughs> ruined it so fucking, you angry got. when i Wait, think about did that or the pawn stars no it was ancient aliens because ancient okay. aliens was before palm stars i believe and 
they just decided, you know what? We don't even give a fuck about history anymore because we're doing a show about ancient. Like I used to love watching the history channel as a kid and just like eating up World War II history because it was basically the World War II channel. Well, or hear Leonard Nimoy with uh, history mysteries before you go to school in the mornings. I just I love the history channel. And then they went down that path and then nothing about the history channel is history channel is history anymore. It's all just like nonsense. The MTV path. Yeah, it's just nonsense. Um, The other show is very similar. And I think that this one is what makes me the most angry because I believe it ruined sports journalism just in general. And that's first take. Oh, buddy. Oh, wow. First take ruined. Not not PTI? Not PTI because there was still very good stuff like PTI in the early aughts, like 2003, four, five, six. It was still good because, I mean, they were relevant journalists at the time. And, you know, with Around the Horn leading into it, it was a good little block. And, but it was still a, a sports centric. First take just it, it turned ESPN into just hot take theater. And it ruined the entire network for me. Just everything about it, because they got that dopamine from the ratings of first take. And then everything had to be hot take debates and right. it just ruined, ruined sports center because it, it seeped into that because it was like, how do we get this first take it like first takeified all of ESPN and it just, just ruined it. Um, uh, another one for me, uh, sword art online, fuck that, fuck the Isake genre of anime. Um, <laughs> That the popularity of that vigorously shaking their heads right now. The popularity of that made like, you know, three out of every 10 anime um, trapped in another world. Thanks a lot. Sword Art Online. It was a terrible series anyway. Don't fall in love with your cousin. Fuck that show. Um, Puppy Dog Pals. Uh, I don't I hate Puppy Dog Pals so much. They recast Roly in the latest season, which is even hotter trash. They have no concept of how long it takes to get places. These damn puppies are going to like China and then they're getting back before Bob's able to. to Wait a second, Brendan, did you ever like Puppy Dog Pals? No, 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 no. But I've watched every episode of Puppy Dog Pals and they recast Roly at least twice. In the most recent incarnation, now that they've they've decided to give them a bunch of uh, there's a there's a pig involved now in their team up. And Roly's the, the the kid they keep getting for Roly. They just keep recasting him, and it, it's just awful. I thought about putting uh, Tots in there just because the entire business model of Tots is absurd, and it makes me upset when I think about Tots and think about how the fact that um, you're employing two people to do the job of one stork. It makes no sense. You do the mapping, and then you do the flapping. Um, sorry, Pip and Freddy, but you are inefficient. You should be fired and you fuck up every time and you ruin everything. But no, that's bad as puppy dog pals. Because like just the entire prospect of puppy dog pals is they can't be puppies. They've been, they've been at it for like six years and everybody knows that pugs get ugly when they're older. So they're not going to be handsome little puppies anymore. Bart Simpson's been at it for how many years? And he's still nine years old. So that's true. That's true. Um, and then Bingo and Rolly, couple of puppies. Sorry, <laughs> she just got that song in my head now. And, and when it goes, every time I, they bark and jizz and chew, is that what they're saying? I don't know. I just hear it every time. <laughs> no. 
Uh, and then my mm. fifth show um, that just makes me irrationally upset um, is The Bachelor because I've never watched it. Oh, and I don't have floods our timelines, right? It floods my timeline and it makes my Twitter less enjoyable. And I never watched the bachelor and I never had like, you know, there's, if I'm going to watch it, I'm going to watch like a too hot for TV where it's like super trashy and hilarious or like, uh, you know, the original, you know, the Jersey shore. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that where it's like super trashy, but like the fact they try and keep it like, uh, uh, moderate amount of respectability to it. I don't know. I don't watch the show. I just hate that everybody talks about it. And then they want to try and get you to watch it. And it's like, it's been on for 20 years. I'm not going to start watching it now. Fuck that. Fuck that show. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I didn't even think about it in terms of asking a question this way, but I, I almost think maybe survivor could be on this list, right? Because survivor was the first show that I really recall that was like, the reality, no. like prime. Never watched a single whatever. episode of Survivor. Right. But because it was so popular, it then everybody tried everything, right? But right. here's what I will say about Survivor. If there was no Survivor, then we wouldn't have gotten a Road Rules, uh, Real World, Real World Challenge. Challenge. Yeah, we would not have gotten that, which is. Chef's Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I got my little list here. And I'm going to start off with the first one that my, my top dog, and it was the one I was watching literally right before we started recording and why this whole thing is, is happening. And I only watch it with my wife because she watches it, but somehow it was just on the TV when I sat down in the office and I just was too lazy to grab the remote and watch almost an entire episode. And that's love it and list it or list it uh, wow. on HGTV. These fucking people. First of all, the, ho- they, the homeowners. They, is it still the same two? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The bald, the skinny bald guy. And the, yeah. Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. She's getting she is getting old. <laughs> so the homeowners never do what I want them to do. Like if I say they should list it, they love it. If they if I say they should love it, they list it. It's I, I so it's constantly what, pissing me. I would say eighty percent end up sticking with their original house after they do the remodels, right? They what do. do they? Yeah, it is a huge. Yeah. It might even be bigger than eighty percent. It might even yeah. be more than eighty percent. But tonight's episode was just it, it <laughs> put me in a fit of rage uh, at the just the audacity of these fucking people. The homeowners' audacity is something else. Like what they think they're entitled to or what they I, it's just it blows my fucking mind. And it's probably why they end up loving it, because their expectations far exceed their budget out there in the, in the real world, which makes it even angrier when it doesn't. And they still fucking stay anyways. So this for this fucking couple was just fucking. The biggest thing they bitched about. Got. Could have got solved by any of the three houses that he showed them, and they're anyways. Anyways, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go in through an episode uh, synopsis here, but that show pisses me off beyond no end. Um, and I only watch it, like I said, with my wife. Somehow it managed to be my eyeballs tonight. That's top dog. Uh, the second one is uh, it's a theme that uh, like Brendan has about ruining things, and that's a uh, college football game day final, not game day the show. But the the last show, when I was in high school, I remember seeing highlights from Ivy League games. 
they ran they ran the the college football highlight show the final a lot like NFL Prime used to be done. Like everybody kind of got they took away a lot of the hot takes and bullshit and just here's what happened today. I think CBS does that, but I can't uh, a little bit with their show, but like they're leaning more into the ESPN model. So that's getting worse and worse, but I fucking am so mad anytime. I, I think I watched one episode this year of game day final. Cause it was, it was a day. It might've been the Cincinnati game. I, I can't remember. It was, a, it was a Notre Dame home game where I was, I had missed kind of a lot going on that day and wanted to make sure I caught up on everything. And it was just, it's just nothing but pure trash takes the whole fucking show. It's like, this is what you have to wait for all the games to be over with at two o'clock in the morning to talk about the game that happened at fucking noon. And that's it. Like this makes no fucking sense. This, 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 none of this makes sense. Why, why is this on at two o'clock in the fucking morning? Why are you waiting? It's just, and you're not going to talk about the games that just fucking happened a couple hours ago. This fucking makes no sense. Uh, so I fucking hate that show. Um, Yellowstone has made me irrational angry now. Because that fucking this last season was fucking terrible, absolutely terrible, and it's all one big setup for the next season, which I which makes me even angrier. Like you just wasted a season because you're just you're getting that extra coin. Like everybody's gonna watch it that was watching it is gonna watch it again, and now they're all like now they're all right there to go watch the next season, and everybody knows it's trash. Everybody that watches that show knows that season was fucking garbage. Uh, so. That, that this whole season made me angry. Uh, this next show, we're only like three episodes in, and I want to fucking annihilate it. And that is the uh, the book according to Boba Fett or whatever it's called. What? It's fucking off. It's it's delightful. basically just no. It is terrible. It is, it is it, just why was it not entitled the Legend of the Sand People? Because that's it. It is it is oh. very Tuscan Raider heavy. You are, you are not a crime lord if you have to fucking announce it every two minutes. I am the crime lord. No, you are not. Apparently not. Give it time. It is it is delightful to this point because one I just like the, the first season, just like the first this season is, of Mandalorian. This is solely this is solely the legend of the sand people. It is or very sand people heavy. I refuse to call it anything else. Uh, this Tuscan Raider has no, They they get one more episode. That's it for me. And I that I that is a, not a light statement from me because that's not, how bad it's been. It's how bad it's been. Ugh. Mandalorian, fantastic. And even with people bitching about how the episodes went, like yes, every episode is a little side mission. That's what television is. Deal with it. But this is just this is bad. This is this is bad. And it shouldn't be. It's a legend of the Sam people flashbacks. Is what it is. It's terrible. Um. And then, man, the last one was so fucking hard. <sighs> yeah, it's got to be said because they've they ruined it. And Game of Thrones, the last season, last episode, everything. You can't go back and watch it. Like, I'm a person that if I if I like a series, like I've probably watched West Wing probably seven times all the way through. I probably watched Last Kingdom four seasons, probably at least three or four times all the way through. Like if I like a series, I will watch it because I'll end up using that like background music while I'm cleaning the house. You know what I mean? I can't do it. I can't I can't go back Game and of watch Thrones? any shows. 
Oh, I, I, I do. If I like a show enough, that that becomes like a like an old album. I go back and and put on. Anyways, yeah, Game of Thrones is fucking ruined. You can't go back and watch it. The whole the it was the last season was that bad. I know people bitch about the Sopranos in the last episode. And like I was never a Sopranos fan. Like I was one of those I people li- that I like that ending. I mean, I don't mind it. And it was, I I didn't care. I also really I also like Lost, so I'm I'm probably I like Lost as well too, dude. <laughs> okay, thank you. No, nope. I, uh, I watched I the, of Lost. the ending. I only watched like maybe the first four episodes of Lost, and and then I was out. Um, never watched it again. Uh, my wife ended up watching it all the way through, and she did not care for it uh, at the end. Actually, uh, very slowly doing it because my wife's not into Lost, but um, I found a, a person who edited Lost in chronologically. So you literally start with the oldest. Uh, event and then you go to the newest event and it's 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 a wild ride man it's it's a really wild okay. ride so so yeah i mean there was there the, that last slot there i could have put in just like what what which which show do you think ruined mtv total um, request live tro well no because at least it was music though man music right what 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 show made mtv going you know what this is it. This Part is the of me want, show. Like it can't. You can't say that. I mean, this is going to be the thing. Um, it's not Teen Mom because it was already ruined by the time Teen Mom came around. But there I is. Love a ne- I love Next. <laughs> uh, I did love Next too. That was a good <laughs> uh, color purple. <laughs> the room. The the show that did ruin MTV is Bruce. the most popular show that they ever had, and it's the Real World. Because then MTV was no longer about music. They started working on programming, reality programming. It was cheap. You didn't have to pay for the rights. Um, you paid a couple. You just bought some drinks for some dumb kids. That's the show that the downfall of MTV. And you look at the the amount of music they started putting on the television uh, on the the network. It just cavernous drop. Plummeted after that. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah, it that was, was probably real. what ninety two. That sounds um, about right. And I think the the the, the one that killed it, I think, was Hawaii with the one with Tech, because that was the the one that really blew up big time with uh, a lot of people. And it was when Total Request Live was big too, so MTV had a lot of cachet. And then they it just it and then after after that one, that's when you saw Next and uh, Room Raiders, Pimp My Ride, and all of the all of the stuff start coming down the pipe. <laughs> And also all the reality programming, like The Hills and Laguna Beach and just basically yeah. ver- spit, ver- mini versions of the real world, right? Yeah, I'm, I wish that they were still cool. And that, Do you remember their animation shows with, like, The Head and – Oh, The Head was great. Flux sure. and just – they did some, yeah. like, Beavis out and there creative yeah. – Beavis and Butt. They did some out there creative stuff, and then they got that reality bug, and it just – it's so well, cheap. Well, now the only – What's the show they only show now? Like, there's one oh, show they show all day. Yes, that's it. Which is not bad. It's, it's just, like America's Home Videos. It's just it's Tosh, right? Like it's yeah. just a different version of Tosh. It's like Jackass, but you don't get to watch people you know injuring themselves horribly. It's just like randos on the internet. Right, right. It's just that's all your channel is. Like, I want that guy's job, director of programming for MTV, right now. Because you do nothing. You're just like, how many reruns do we got in the bank? I'm heading to Finland for a month. Yeah, he's 
what is it, Rob Deerdorf? He is banking on the royalties for that show. Yeah, he he. I remember seeing an interview with him talking about like a not like a special deal, but kind of like a certain deal he had with the rights, the actual rights of the videos, and he he's got them all. So <laughs> he's fucking just rolling and rolling it. He goes, Jack Valor needs to get a piece of that. Ooh, hello, Jack. Uh, Jack, 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 with the snow. All right. Yeah, it's just it wouldn't be a podcast without uh, forty something or near forty somethings uh, bitching about television nowadays. <laughs> we so, can talk about it. Top five shows where we love. Next podcast. Well, we have we have a lot of off season. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of off season. So we'll we'll uh, we'll circle back to that, put a pin in that, and put a pin, um, put a pin. judging by Notre Dame coaching news, I mean, when does the off season start? Uh, probably end of April, right? So I mean, I, I mean, we make the jokes every year about May being the most boringest month, and and I, there's no way around it. It's going to begin this year, which is fantastic. I cannot wait for that to happen. <laughs> Cause I honestly, I am not excited about spring ball. I'd never get excited for spring ball. Like some people do. Cause I know the end game. Like it's not, it's not what you wish it was. It never is. Uh, so I'm, I'm very interested in seeing what the access is. I wonder if Marcus Freeman. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's going to be different. I guess to that end, because Birch is gone and Kelly's gone, and but you know, but that does breed other things that I don't care for, and that's too much. You know, I mean, like too much focus on too many angles, uh, too many. Uh, it's, it's distracting. Okay, it was the one thing I was grateful about for the lack of access. The only thing was the also the lack of angles. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Like like the innocuous question that that they don't doesn't really make sense in that press conference or in the interview process. And then that gets turned into like a fucking long form fucking story one week later on The Athletic. I mean, just I don't know. I'm not down for that personally. But yeah, I would like to. I, they, I, they, it has to be more than what Kelly was. I mean, that really wasn't. That was a coronavirus thing that Notre Dame just leaned into. <laughs> <laughs> Happily leaned into. Happily. Yeah, because it wasn't. It wasn't terrible before. It just. But with once COVID hit, it was like, <laughs> what do we do? I don't know. Write something. Uh, okay. Well, we will be back next week. I'm sure with some kind of news to discuss. I'm sure there's going to be a, a transfer in coaching, transfer out, coaching higher. I I think we're, we're all out of guys leaving, right? Like Mike Mickens ain't going anywhere, right? I would never say never. No, but he's probably pretty good. Right, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, so as it turns out, we're actually having a big staff over at all. Hey, hooray for us. All right. So, 
that's all we got uh, for the show. We will uh, talk to you next time. Remember to get on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Every review that you leave, I will read on the next OFD podcast. So get that shit done, and we'll holler at you later. Go Irish. <laughs>